I'm sure we are all concerned by the escalating conflict currently taking place between Israel and Palestine, as well as the loss of lives, including children. War is a tragedy and causes so much pain and trauma. May we continue to pray for peace to prevail. Kevin Connor had a particular interest in Israel and God's plans and purposes for this people group, both historically and in our time. This is a sensitive topic, and he always sought to handle it with both grace and truth. A copy of the handout notes for this teaching series can be downloaded for free as a PDF or Word document at www.kevinconnor.org forward slash Israel. Also, the material from this teaching is covered extensively in three particular books by Kevin Connor, What About Israel, Restoration Theology, and New Covenant Realities. Visit his website for further details. Although given well over a decade ago, we hope that this timely teaching will assist you in navigating these current times with both faith and wisdom. Father, in Jesus' name, just help us on this session. You see how controversial it is in some people's minds. Just help us not to uh, uh, exercise our leg muscles and jump to conclusions until I'm through. Everybody said amen. Thank you. Okay, I've got my bulletproof vest on. Okay, all right, so what we want to do in our session, uh, it would have been session three, yeah, it's session four now. Uh, what about the restoration of Israel? Okay, so uh, how many have heard questions, you know, like this, and the answer is that any church that doesn't pray for Israel, they're under a curse of God. Anybody heard that apart from me? Yeah, uh, it's going on and so forth, and, uh, and a lot of radio broadcasts and everything like that. So I want to tell you where I'm coming from, and uh, hopefully that I'll be balanced through, through the whole message here. So let's get right into it. And we're going to talk about what about the rest of, uh, restoration of Israel. So let's go to Romans chapter 9. And uh, I want you to think fast with me because you've got a bit of fill in. Some will be on the PowerPoint, thanks to Sarah. I have powered a, po- a point, but no, I'm no good on PowerPoint. All right, so Romans chapter 9. Now, just uh, for your notes, if you want to put this down, Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, they are the main chapters in the New Testament concerning Israel. So Romans 9, 10, and 11. And so people, to do that properly, they need to read those chapters because some of your fill-ins come in from there. Okay, now let's go to Romans chapter 9. And... uh, Uh, The uh, letter A, I'm going to be very systematic here for your fill-in here. Uh, All right, verse 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. Now remember, Paul is a Jew. He's been a Pharisee. He's had an amazing conversion to Christ on the Damascus Road. And even though he becomes the apostle to the Gentiles, he still has a burden for his nation. But we want to know what that burden is. So it's very clear. So he says, I say the tr- I tell the- I'll read from you, King James. I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit and his conscience were in agreement. That I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Now remember, he's a Jew, he's of the tribe of Benjamin, and yet he's sent to the, uh, the Gentiles, but he has a burden. Now, here it is in verse th- uh, 3. Um, I think it is verse 3. 
for I could wish myself that I myself were accursed from Christ. He was willing to be damned for his people, for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. Uh, we'll pick up the other verses. Uh, uh, I need you to put chapter 10. Uh, wait a bit. No, not chapter 10. I'm looking for a particular verse here. Um, Could anybody help me on this one? It's about his prayer that Israel might be saved. Uh, Which one? Verse 1. In which chapter? Chapter 10. Oh, okay, thank you, that's it, that's it. I want you to put down chapter 10, verse 1, because here's the thing. So he's expressed it back here, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. And then in chapter 10, verse 1, that's what I want you to put down and uh, I'd like you to underline it. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is what? That they might be saved. Everybody say that, that they might be saved. Now, uh, I pray for... Basically, just a general outline where persecution is. I pray for Israel every morning. It's one of my prayers. But what do I pray? I pray that they might be saved. And then as you go through the rest of the chapter, you'll find whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the name of the Lord there is not the name of the Lord God. It's the name of the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's our prayer. So I'm not anti, I mean, when I, when I teach on this, sometimes I get nasty things. That I'm Hitler's son-in-law, you know, and I'm anti-Semitic and anti-Jewish. I say, I'm not anti-anybody. My prayer is that they might be saved. And the only way they can be saved, Jew or Gentile, is whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, shall be saved. Everybody said amen? That's it. And you see, why, why I get a little bit, uh, not agitated, but uh, disgusted, my wife and I, we were in Georgia, Atlanta, uh, three or four years ago, before we both took sick, and... Um, uh, about seven or eight mainline churches. I bought the newspaper home on the weekend. I bought the newspaper home. Seven or eight mainline churches had got together and they, in bold letters on the Saturday newspaper, they said, Jews do not have to be born again. And then there was a response from uh, the Jewish rabbis and I forget the exact wording. I've got the paper. I tried to look for it tonight to tell the truth. Couldn't find it. My place is so organized mess. Um, <laughs> the Jewish rabbis virtually said this. We're glad that the Christians would get off our back trying to convert us to their Jewish Messiah. And that the, the Jews do not need to be born again because they're still the covenantal people of God. Well, I'm sorry I said to somebody... That contradicts what Jesus said to Nicky. How many know Nicky? Yeah, his surname's Demas. Okay, just Nicky Demas, okay. Uh, and he said to Nicky Demas, Are you a Jew? You've got to be born again. That's all I'm saying. 
Come, I'm not anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic. I just say you've got to be born again. So my prayer for Israel, as Paul's was, is that they might be saved. And that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone say amen. So Paul's burden for the nation of Israel. Let it be. All right, now, just straight out your Bible. I'm going to talk fast here. Why did God choose national Israel? Okay, nine things he gave them, national privileges given to national, uh, natural Israel. So what were they? Number one, I'm just going to say it here. Number one, to whom? Uh, if you go on to verse four and five, you'll see it there. Uh, who are the Israelites? To whom pertaineth, number one, the adoption. And by the adoption, very briefly, I can't qualify this unless you want me to on some things, but the adoption, God actually took Israel as a nation from the midst of a nation, and he adopted them as his son. And he said to Pharaoh through Moses, Israel is my son, not my sons, a corporate son. He said, Israel is my son, you let my son go or else I'm going to kill your son. So there was Egypt and Israel, and God said, Israel is my son. So uh, according to biblical custom, a father adopted his own sons, not like the Western world where we have adoption. So number one. Okay, number two, and the glory. Write out your Bible, and the glory, and by that we mean the Shekinah glory. They are the only nation in the world that ever saw a visible manifestation of the Shekinah glory of God. They were the most blessed nation to whom pertaineth the adoption, number two, and the glory. Number three, to whom pertain the covenants. And five, uh, four covenants uh, were given to the nation of Israel. Uh, five covenants, sorry. Number one, the Abrahamic covenant. And the number one, the Abrahamic covenant, and included in the Abrahamic covenant were number two, the Mosaic covenant, which concerned the people, and then number three, uh, number uh, yeah, number uh, no, uh, well, where are we up to? I'm thinking fast. The Palestinian covenant. See, I'd like to spend time on that. Who does the land really belong to? You know. Does it belong to Israel? What about the Arabs? God promised them land. Do, do we really understand these things? Uh, I, it's what I call a lot of God's people, through lack of teaching, are in what I call covenantal confusion. That's a whole subject in itself. Thank you, Kevin, for the interesting point. Number three, the Davidic covenant. Well, number four, where have it? Number four, yeah. And then number five, the new covenant. All these were in the Abrahamic covenant. The Mosaic covenant concerned the people. The Palestinian covenant concerned the land. The Davidic covenant concerned the kings. And the new covenant concerned Christ. So all those covenants were involved in the Abrahamic covenant. That's why it's the most important covenant. All right, number uh, four. The next thing, uh, and the giving of the law. Three, three words I want you to put down here, number, number four. The law, and we meant the moral law, the Ten Commandments, the civil law, which was an amplification of the moral law, and number three, uh, just for time's sake, the ceremonial law. So the moral law, the civil law, the ceremonial law. 
Number five, and the service of God. What do we mean by the service of God? Uh, We mean the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David, and the temple of Solomon. The service of God. That's number five there. Am I going too fast? Think fast. Okay. So, uh, so number four, the law was the moral law, the civil law, ceremonial law. Then number five, the service of God, and by the service of God, the approach to God, the tabernacle of Moses, tabernacle of David, and temple of Solomon. And then the next uh, part, number six, and the promises. What promises? The promises of redemption and the promises of the Messiah. So number six, the promises. What promises? So God had a purpose in taking this nation from the midst of the nations and giving them all these things, the national privileges. So the promise of redemption and the promise of Messiah. And then number seven in verse five says, whose are the fathers? What fathers? Okay, the trinity of men that God has been pleased to call himself the God of. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And that's a whole hour in itself there. A trinity of men, because Abraham has characteristics of the Father God. Isaac is the only begotten son of the Old Testament. And he has characteristics of the Son. And Jacob is the third person of that trinity of men. And the first one to anoint with oil in the Bible. And so God says, I'm the God of Abraham, the father, the God of Isaac, the son, and the God of Jacob, the third person, the anointer. That's a whole hour I've thrown at you right there. And then number eight, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ, the Messiah, came. So Christ after the flesh. This is why God chose the nation. He took them as a nation from the midst of the nations and gave them this birthright. They were the most privileged nation. And then, uh, so that's number eight, the Messiah, Christ after the flesh. And then number nine, uh, I'd like you to look at Romans chapter three, if you uh, quickly could, um, and verse one and two. So it says in uh, verse one and two of Romans three, uh, yeah, I've got it up there, haven't I? Yeah, what advantage then has the Jew? Or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way. But note this word, chiefly, because to them were committed the oracles of God. And we owe the Jewish nation or the nation of Israel the Old Testament scriptures and most of the New Testament scriptures. We owe the Bible to them. They've rejected so much, as we'll see, but we owe the Bible. So what a a blessed nation they were to be given all these things. Everybody said amen on that? All right, now let's go to letter C, and I'd like you to bear with me as we go quickly to these scriptures. Reasons why God chose, or reason for God's choice of uh, Israel. Why did God choose them? I've sort of said it, but uh, let's read a couple of scriptures. Deuteronomy... Uh, chapter 7. Everybody breathing? Okay. Uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7. And let's go to verse 6 to, uh, six to 9. 
Deuteronomy 7, verse 6 to 9. And notice what the Lord says. I'm reading from old authorized here. I haven't marked the new one yet. Uh, for you are, I'll try, try and change the English. For you are a holy people to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God, has chosen you to be a special people unto himself. So election, they were a chosen nation above all the people who are upon the face of the earth. The, and now notice verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. For you were the least or the fewest of all people. So God didn't choose them for number's sake. Okay? But because the Lord loves you, everybody say loves you. And because, so note the causes there, because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn to your fathers, has the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of uh, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, which keeps covenant, notice it, and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. I know this is, sounds nasty, but God will be to us what we are to him. Yeah. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You reject him, he rejects you. You forsake him, he forsakes you. You uh, confess him before men, he will confess you before. See, God will be to us what we are to him. Now, I know we don't like some of this preaching, but it's in the Bible. And it's an area that's neglected. Okay, so God didn't choose them for numbers, but because of love and because of the fathers and oaths of the fathers. Go to uh, chapter 9, while we're in Deuteronomy, chapter 9. And verses 46, nasty language, but it's in the Bible. <laughs> okay. Speak not thou in your heart after that the Lord your God has cast them out from before you, saying, for my righteousness the Lord has brought me in to possess this land, but for the wickedness of these nations the Lord has, does drive them out from before you. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess the land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you and that he may fulfill the word which the Lord God, uh, Lord swore to, uh, to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess it because of your righteousness. I mean, you've said that four times now, Lord. Yeah, I'm just trying to get you the point. For you are a stiff-necked people. Oh, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so why did God choose them? Not for their righteousness, but for the wickedness. So God chose them, not for number's sake, but because of his love for them and because of the oath of his covenant and not for their righteousness, because they were stiff-necked people. Nice little prophecy over you, but for the wickedness of the nations. Is that clear? So why did God choose them? So he chose, as I've said before, he chose the nation from the nations and gave them all these privileges and actually wanted them to be the missionary nation to the world. Now, I want you to go to letter D. Are you, are you with me? 
You're flowing along with me? Okay, I want you to look at this fourfold desolation. And this is a nasty, nasty chapter. And if people would only read it. All right, now in Leviticus chapter 26, if you marked your Bible, some of you may have heard a little bit on this. I want you to note the use of the word, and uh, we, we sort of did this a little bit last week, you know, the time of the end, not the end of time, time when Michael stands up, time of deliverance, time of trouble, time, times and half a time. Now here we have something else. Go to verse 18. And, and if you will not... For all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Seven times punishment. Then go down to verse 21. Then if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, the issue is obedience, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sins. So seven times punishment, seven times more plagues. Go to verse 24. It's nasty. Then I will also, oh, verse 23, and if, if by these things you were not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you. See, God will be to us what we do, uh, are to him. And I will punish you yet seven times more for your sins. Seven times punishment. And then go down to verse 27, 28. And after this, if you do not obey me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you in fury, and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. Four times, verse, 20, verse 18, 21, 24, and 28. Seven times, seven times, seven times. Now, that goes into a period of time, a lot of years, having got time to deal with that. Now, go down to verse... 20, uh, 31 uh, through to 33 and you'll notice four things that if they disobey the word of the Lord that God would bring to desolation. Desolation. Think of this. So I'll read the passage first. And I will lay your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries to desolation. And I will not smell the fragrance of your sweet aromas I will bring the land to desolation and your enemies who dwell in it shall be astonished at you and I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword unto you. Okay, I want you to put this down. Uh, The four things. Number one, I'll put it in this order. Desolation of of the sanctuary or the temple. Now we're anticipating it. Desolation of the sanctuaries or the temple, desolation. Letter B, desolation of the city. The cities of, I'll lay your cities waste, bring your sanctuaries to desolation. Letter C, I will bring the land, desolation of the land. And then letter D, I will scatter you, desolation of the people. So the issue is, as you read the whole chapter, I'm rushing through, read it, it's the issue of obedience. If you obey my voice and you can stay in my land, if not, desolation of the sanctuary, of the cities, of the land, of the people. Very clear. Hard. And see, people today, they don't read these scriptures. 
then I don't like them any more than you do. But if we want to know the truth, okay. All right, let's go to uh, Jeremiah chapter 3, number 2 here. And, uh, and, and please remember, you know, I've, I've been to the Middle East, I've preached to the Messianic Jews, I've preached to the Arabs, I've been to the two places where Jesus was buried, never felt a thing, Jake, uh, drank water out of Jacob's well, spat it back again, see? So I stuck my little nose, my big nose into these things. 80% of the Jews are atheistic and do not believe in... They said Moses was a smart Jew who put it over the Egyptians like we did in the Six-Day War. They don't want any rebuilt temple. They can't afford animal sacrifices. And if the Jews in the New York know about it and they touch the Mosque of Omer, they'll cut off the finance. We've got to, you, we, a lot of people don't say anything about this. I'm saying it. Okay, now, Jeremiah chapter 3 and uh, let's pick up in verse 6 to 11. We'll balance all this out when we're through. In verse 6, the Lord, uh, yeah, verse 6 here. The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? And see, backslide, a little bit of theology here. A backslider who is engaged to be married to the Lord actually commits spiritual adultery. Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up under every high mountain and under, uh, under every green tree and there played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister, Judah, saw it. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. A certificate of divorce. Sorry to say this. We'll balance it all out when we're through. Israel is a divorced nation. They received a bill of divorce. A certificate of divorce. What happened? I saw that for all the causes for which Israel, in the, uh, backsliding Israel, committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce, certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister, Judah, did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. Wow. Divorced people. Go over to Isaiah chapter 50. And see, these are keys to understanding the prophets. So Isaiah chapter 50, and just verse 1 will do for time. Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement? whom I have put away. A divorced people. All right, let's go to letter E. We've got to keep going. That clock keeps going. Uh, the, the, the most sad thing in John chapter 1, I won't read it because of time, uh, it says, He came unto his own. Anybody remember the next part of the verse? And his own received him not. But... To as many as received him, to them he gave the privilege, the power to become the children of God. So he came unto his own, but he became the rejected Christ. And the most tragic thing is, 
when uh, Pilate came out and said, get me a bowl of water, uh, and he washed his hands. Um, I think I told you once before, some of the letters from Rome of Pilate's wife when she wrote to somebody in Rome, and she said every time Pilate washed his hands in water, she said, I could see him washing his hands in blood. And history tells us that Pilate committed suicide. I think I've told you that before somewhere. And the sad thing is that when Pilate was washing his hands and said, I'm innocent of the blood of this man, the worst statement Jewry ever said, and that's a sad, sad thing. I, I, I don't rejoice to say this. They said, his blood be on us, on, on our children. And as I've got in your notes there, when you go to Deuteronomy 19 and Numbers chapter 35, they knew the laws of innocent blood. And the tragedy is that the Jewish nation invoked upon themselves and their unborn generations the curse of innocent blood. Now, just to balance that a little bit out, I've just had uh, emails recently where hundreds of Jews are coming to Christ under a Jewish evangelist, getting their eyes open. And see, they brought the curse of innocent blood and they knew the laws. And that curse of innocent blood can only be lifted as they accept the blood of Jesus for their cleansing. Everyone said hallelujah. So pray for Israel. What for? That they might be saved. That's it. Amen. Okay, now let's quick turn over quickly. Wow, 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 wow. <clears throat> you doing all right there? Okay, now you fill in. I'm sorry I haven't got time to milk this. Jeremiah chapter 3, the present state of Jewry and Jerusalem. The present state. So what's the situation now? What do I pray for in my prayer along with a bunch of other nations? Number one, they are a divorced people. God gave them a bill of divorce. Now, God has blessed the Jew because of the Abrahamic covenant, because they're Abraham's seed, but they are not in covenantal relationship with God. That's what we're talking about, because they're not saved. Then number two, John 8. They're not Abraham's spiritual seed, only after the flesh. Very briefly, in John chapter 8, I'd like you to, between now and the second coming of the Lord, or whatever, um, read that chapter and the key word in that chapter is the word father and so there's a big hassle and they're saying to Jesus Abraham is our father and Jesus said I know Abraham is your father but if Abraham was your father you'd believe me now what's he t- saying I know Abraham is your father after the flesh but if you were Abraham's seed after the spirit you'd believe me because I'm the seed of Abraham so then it gets pretty hoity-toity and Jesus had never read that book How to Win Jews and Influence Greeks in Six Easy Lessons. So they said, we're not born of fornication. Where is your father? So what's the slur? They're slamming his virgin birth. We're not born of fornication. Abraham's our father. Where's your father? And so Jesus, he forgot about that book and lost his credentials. He said, you are of your father, the devil. Now, they were Abraham's seed after the flesh, but spiritually they were of their father, the devil, because the devil hates Christ and they crucified Christ. Got to remember that. Okay, so they are not Abraham's spiritual seed, only after the flesh. Uh, Number three, 
I'd like you to turn quickly to this one. I command that clock to stop in the name of Jesus. We've got to finish this tonight. Okay, Romans chapter 10. One of my favorite verses, but I'd like you to, if you mark your Bible, mark up the four paragraphs. Uh, let's go from verse uh, 1 again. Brethren, my heart's desire. Romans 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is what? That they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Now, notice this. Number one, they are ignorant of God's righteousness. Number two, ignorance of God's righteousness leads you going about to establish their own righteousness. So when we are ignorant of God's righteousness, we go about to establish our own. And then number three, they have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. So note the progression. When we are ignorant of God's righteousness, we go about to establish our own righteousness, self-righteousness. And then number three, we don't submit to the righteousness of God. How many have submitted to the righteousness of God? Because verse t- four time. I ask you a question then. Answer me. Yes. Verse four. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So tonight I can sit in this chair and we can rejoice together. We're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And God sees me in that righteousness, which is imputed, then out to be, uh, then to be outworked. Hallelujah. All right, number four. Uh, we won't turn to this one only because of time. Oh, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll say it. Okay, number four. Christ is the stumbling stone. Yeah, Christ is the stumbling stone. And there were two aspects of the stumbling stone. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 123, which you've got on your notes, it says uh, that um, when Christ came, he preaches Christ crucified, which to the Jews is a stumbling stone. They wanted a, a Davidic Messiah that would get rid of the Romans and so forth. But when they saw a crucified Messiah, that became a stumbling stone. Then in Romans chapter 9, the verses I've given you there, uh, it says, The Gentiles, which would not seek after righteousness, have obtained righteousness. Why? Because they received a faith righteousness. But the Jews stumbled at the stumbling stone because they sought righteousness by works of the law. So Christ crucified and faith righteousness became the stumbling stone. And you see, as somebody said very truly, Christ is either a stumbling stone or a stepping stone. Hallelujah. Depends on our attitude. Wow, how awesome. Number five, Romans chapter 10. These are the great chapters, Romans 10, verse 21. The next thing we find in that verse, and I'm skipping up for time, again saying, and a word resisting people. They resist the word. And as I said before, you know, <clears throat> when I was in the Middle East, uh, 80% of the Jews are atheistic. And they say, we don't want a Messiah. We don't want a rebuilt temple. We don't want animal sacrifice. We don't believe in that. Moses was a smart Jew, put it over the Egyptians like we did. Uh, okay, okay. Word resisting, gainsaying. All right, number six. You fill in here. 
You've got it on the overhead, on the PowerPoint. Six, I'd like to... Uh, oh, no, that's all right. Number six. Uh, blindness until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Um, so many things pop into my mind here. You, uh, I'll just give you the seed thought. You have to distinguish between what Jesus said. I think I'm on this, uh, not next Sunday, because next Sunday's no action night. No life tracks. Um, You have to distinguish between what Jesus said. Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles till the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled and the fullness of the Gentiles. Briefly, that's all I can say. The fullness of the Gentiles is at the moment God is visiting the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. When the full number of Gentiles is saved, that are going to be saved, then God will turn back to Israel. Does that make sense? So you must distinguish between the times of the Gentiles and fullness of the Gentiles. So they're blinded until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And remember, Paul is the uh, house of burden for Israel that they might be saved, but he's sent to the Gentiles. All right, number seven. You fill in there, they are enemies of the gospel, yet they are beloved for the Father's sake. So remember that, though they're enemies of the gospel, yet they are still beloved for the Father's sake. And we think of the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Particularly the three fathers, a trinity of men. All right, now, Romans number uh, 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 8, I want you to turn to this one. Romans... uh, Number eight on your list, and Romans chapter 11. Let's go to verse 11, uh, verse 16, sorry. Yeah, so Romans 11, and verse 16 to 24. I want to ask you a question here, seeing I'm talking to such intelligent people. Okay, let's go to verse, uh, verse 16. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. And listen, verse 20 is such a key. Well, well said. Because of, what's the next word? Unbelief. Unbelief. They were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, take heed that he spare not you uh, either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fail severity, but toward you goodness, if, everybody say if, if you continue his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, here's the key, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. What's the Jewish problem? Everybody's problem? Unbelief. If they do not abide in unbelief, they can be grafted in for God is able to graft them in. Again, 
For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted in contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted in to their own olive tree? Okay, now, let me ask you the question. How many believe that the olive tree in the Bible is symbolic of the nation of Israel? Hands up. How many haven't got a hand? Hands up. How many are chicken are frightened of getting caught? Okay. No, the olive tree is a faith olive tree. Okay, now let me get my famous little diagram here. How are we doing on time? <laughs> Thank you, Father. Uh, would you help an old man here, please? Dear Lanny. Yeah, could you just put it up there and, uh, and take one here? All right, now, I want you to listen carefully to this point, and I think that'll just fit over there. Look at that, marvellous. Now, just look at this. I wanted to put it on, but I couldn't do it. Sorry. Now, I said the olive tree is not natural national Israel. The olive tree is symbolic of the church, and it's a faith Israel. The faith. Now, notice the roots. What were the roots? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were all men of faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. They are men of faith. And the root were faith. And so when Jesus came, what happened to the natural branches? They were broken off out of the olive tree. Why? Because of unbelief. That's it. So... It's a faith olive tree, not national. Otherwise, see, as I've been to seminars and heard uh, various ones speak on this, say, well, when a Gentile is grafted into Christ, he's grafted into national Israel. That's not so. He's grafted into the faith olive tree. And see, if the Jewish nation no longer stays in unbelief, God will graft them back into the faith olive tree. Not natural Israel, but spiritual Israel. Is this making sense to anybody? Yes. I'm enjoying it, okay? But it's really important because you see, although the olive tree is Israel and once a Gentile gets, uh, becomes Christian, he's grafted into national Israel. No, 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 we're not. I'm still a Gentile, I think. Okay. Thank you, Kevin, for that very good point. All right, where are we up to? Okay. All right, so eight. No, all right, number nine. Oh, wow, listen to this one. I'm going to be dealing with, should we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Chicken. Come back for this exciting episode, not next Sunday. Turn to uh, Revelation chapter 11 quickly. Revelation chapter... Uh, uh, no, 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 sorry. Uh, uh, Galatians chapter 4. Yeah, sorry. Um, Galatians chapter 4. And uh, we'll deal with this more fully, but I want you to notice that Paul uh, takes up this uh, inspired allegory and uh, just for time's sake only, verse 22, it is written that Abraham had two sons. And then in verse 24, which things are an allegory, 
for these are the two covenants. Two sons, two covenants. Uh, the one... Uh, the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which genders the bondage, uh, which is Hagar or Hagar. And then, uh, just one, verse 25. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answers to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free. Notice for now, two Jerusalems. We'll deal with that more fully. Jerusalem, which is now earthly Jerusalem, and then Jerusalem, which is above. Which city have you got your eyes on? Come back for that exciting episode. Okay, Jerusalem, which is now is, is in bondage with her children. And our last scripture, as we sort of try and wrap up here. Turn to Revelation chapter 11. Thank you, Father, for helping me. Helping these poor people. (laughs) Okay, listen to Revelation chapter 11 and verse 8. And it's referring to the two witnesses. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. And there's no mistake in the city where also our Lord was crucified. So... When I was in Jerusalem, I'm looking for some souvenirs. And as I'm going through the souvenir books to bring up Jerusalem, and I see all this pornography on homosexuality. And I don't know how many saw last year or the year before that they had a gay pride march and the Sodomites, they're named after a city, they said, we want to make Jerusalem the city of a modern-day Sodom. Sodom and Egypt, spiritually. So when you go to Jerusalem for a misguided tour, which I've been in conference, you're going to a city which spiritually is Sodom. And I saw all these books on pornography. I thought, no, that's not what I'm after. I'm in the holy city. Remember, Sodom had two witnesses and was destroyed by fire and brimstone. Egypt had two witnesses and was destroyed by plagues. May I might help you to understand Revelation. Why the saints who come out of tribulation, they sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Wow. All right, let's go to our last few moments here on the positive side now. We want to end up quickly here. Oh. Okay, well, I'm doing great. Okay, no, uh, no, letter G, you fill in. Sorry, I haven't got time to milk it. All right, number one, Israel will be restored. So the restoration of Israel looked on all the negative side. Number one, Israel will be restored by the new covenant. Not the Mosaic covenant, not the old covenant. See, some preachers on the television, television, they're saying Israel is going to be restored back to the Mosaic, Mosaic Covenant. They're going to offer animal sacrifice. Hey, that, I don't care what they do. It's the biggest insult to Calvary. Amen. It's the biggest insult to the body and blood of Jesus. Yes. Hey, either now or in any coming age. That's it. So the only way of restoration is through the new covenant. 
And Jeremiah and Hebrews and Matthew says, I'm g- the days are coming when I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, and they will know the Lord by the new covenant, not the Mosaic covenant. Number two, second thing, they'll come under an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's what I pray for. Lord, that you'll pour out your Spirit and open their eyes to their long-rejected Messiah. And as I said before, on the positive side, there are hundreds of Jews that are coming to the Lord under a Jewish evangelist, getting their eyes open to their rejected Messiah. I say, Lord, pour out your Spirit. So in the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And Zechariah, sorry, I have to skip the Scriptures, read them. That Zechariah 12, I'm going to open my eyes upon the house of Judah and I will pour out my spirit on them and they will look on me whom they pierced and they will mourn and mourn and mourn and mourn. I say, Lord, hasten the day. How many could say amen? amen? Yeah, they've suffered enough. Well and truly terrible. Number three, pardon me. Number three, they will be grafted in by faith into the faith olive tree. So the key is there. If they abide not still in unbelief, God is able to graft them in again. That's it. So the moment a Jew comes to faith in Christ, where's he? he's grafted back, not into national Israel. He's already that. He's grafted into the faith olive tree. Is that clear to everybody? I mean, am I making it clear? Okay, and then number uh, four, the last one here. Uh, Maybe you've heard this misquoted. It says in uh, Romans 11.26, and so all Israel will be saved. How many have heard that? Well, what you've got to reconcile that with, I put the scriptures there, haven't got time to do it. It says they are not all Israel which are of Israel, so if all Israel is to be saved and they're not all Israel who are of Israel, who's the all Israel that's going to be saved? Those who accept Christ. It's just that simple. So, so many preachers on television, whatever, say, taking it out of context, say, all Israel is going to be saved. You mean every Israelite? What about all those who died in unbelief? All Israel, every Israelite? No, they are not all Israel which are of Israel. So if all Israel is to be saved, and they're not all Israel, which are of Israel, who's going to be saved? Those who abide not in unbelief. That's it. Okay, then down the bottom of the page is we come in for a landing. You have the first coming, three and a half years ministry of the ministry of Christ, first coming. Second coming, three and a half years, which we dealt with, as I understand it, in the book of Revelation and Daniel. And then in between time, you've got the church age, where Jew and Gentile. See, years ago when I was the sergeant major here, I mean the senior minister here, uh, a, a man came to me and said, I want to have a Jewish revival here. And I said, well, let's just check where we are. And he was very upset with me because he said, the, the Gentiles are saved by faith in Christ. The Jews will be saved in another way. So no, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's only one way to God for Jew and Gentile. So in the middle, the moment a Jew is saved, in Christ, 
There is neither Jew nor Gentile. National barriers. Now, notice I didn't say national distinctions. National barriers cease to exist. National distinctions are still there. But national barriers. In Christ, neither Jew nor Gentile, one body is the new man. The natural birth is Jew or Gentile. Spiritual birth is a new birth in Christ. Neither. That's it. One body. The faith olive tree. All right, conclusion. Hallelujah. The restoration of Israel is not through or to the Mosaic covenant economy, which was abolished at the cross of Christ, but it's the restoration of God through Christ only by the body and blood of the new covenant. And if you want extra details on that, read Restoration Theology, chapters 10, 11, 12, and 13 by Kevin J. Connor. Oh, thank you. So you still love me? I'm not anti-Jewish. I'm not anti-Hitler. I'm not Hitler's son-in-law. Okay, any, any questions? I think we've got about two minutes. Sorry. Okay, any, any major questions? Um, I'm not sure if I'll have this time. Uh, th- a time. I mean, I've, I've got to deal with Babylon, uh, Iraq. I've got to deal with Jerusalem next time, I think. I'm not sure if I'll have time. I'll see how we go. Okay, let's all stand and um, let me pray with you. God bless you and thank you for being such a good bunch. You can exercise your leg muscles now. Father, we just pray that uh, we'll take these heavy-duty things that we've shared tonight. Uh, May we meditate upon them. May we read the Word. May your Holy Spirit help us to uh, clarify things, Lord, that maybe I didn't clarify but uh, just help us. And Lord, we do pray for the nation of Israel. Lord, that you'll pour out your spirit upon them. Open their eyes to their long-rejected Messiah, just as you're doing with the Gentiles, Lord, in Africa and India and Asia and Malaysia and so many countries, so many coming to Christ. We pray that you'll visit your people, Israel. Open their eyes. God, we ask this in Jesus' name that they might be saved. Everyone said amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.